Kathy and I go to church. This is our home. So to speak here is a double thrill, but to hear Jeff talk about um, his love for the people. The guy's insane. I mean, really, when you think about he's doing chores on a Saturday, and he outlines his sermon on a mirror. Okay, that's just, folks, that's weird. Okay, weird. I love that he read the Bible all through the year. That's a great example. Um, and that's why you're the lead pastor, and I'm just like a flunky fill-in. Because I always get stuck in Leviticus. Man, Leviticus is, it just wears me out every year by the fifth animal sacrifice on the fourth hill with the you know, third ram and high priest. I'm like, I'm done. I just, <laughs> bam, to the New Testament. That's kind of what I do. So I finished the New Testament this year. But anyway, uh, Jeff, love, love, so excited about this uh, Christmas Eve service. And by the way, if you um, want a tip from a veteran, the tip is... Come on Tuesday, okay? Come on Tuesday to the Christmas Eve service um, because Wednesday, the 4 and the 6, are going to be for all the people in this community that come to church two times a year, okay? They come on Christmas and Easter, and it's going to be crazy and packed. Now, if you're inviting some of those people, that's probably a time, but for those of us that are regulars, um, our family, we're coming on Tuesday. It's more raw. It's unpolished. Jeff even cusses. Sometimes on that first one, so great. Um, I have heard over the years a lot of people trying to get out of church services and having excuses and things like that, but I heard the best one last Sunday here. Um, there was a couple that while Jeff was preaching, she went into labor, okay? And, you know, there's people who leave and they'll be like, <coughs> you know, cough, and I got to go, this is terrible, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the air condition comes on. What, whatever it is, they figure out some reason to leave. But they actually went into labor during Jeff's message last week and then went immediately to deliver this beautiful little baby boy. This is Grant Jones, who, um, yeah. And this is uh, mom and dad, who are friends of mine, Pete and Sandy. And... Uh, <laughs> I guess that was quick. Pete and Sandy, we don't even get to record. Now, they're usually at this service. Did they come? Did you guys come? There they are. All right. Way to go. Way to go. See, now that's, that's commitment right there. I'm going to crank out a kid one week and I'm back at church the next. I think we should put the picture up during the whole message just for that. Uh, Pete and Sandy, so happy for you. Grant, that's baby number two. Taylor, baby number one. They're a part of our community here and friends of mine. They, they own the CrossFit gym that I work out at once a month. Uh, um, anyway, hey, raise your hand. Just curious if you are ahead of the Christmas game. Let me see your hands. You're ahead of the Christmas game. How many of you are behind? All right. You're making me feel better. Let's, uh, let's talk for a second about what the majority of us know to be true about Christmas. For those of us who would call ourselves or term ourselves Christians, and I realize with this many people, not everyone does. And if you're not, that's okay. Thrilled you're here. You're investigating. You're coming with a friend. You're an out-of-town guest. You're dating somebody. They're forcing you to come. To, whatever the reason is, realize not everybody is, and, and we're thrilled that you're here. But for those of us who have put our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a payment for our sins so that we might be reconciled with God and have a relationship with God, we call ourselves Christians, Christ's ones. We know this to be true about Christmas. Christmas is all about what? Say it with me. 
All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, I'm about to go into labor that, that you didn't get that one right there. Uh, Christmas, <laughs> just rephrase it, rephrase it. Uh, Christmas is all about, it's all about a person. Okay, let's do that. So Christmas is all about what? There you go. I actually brought cue cards just in case, all right? So, uh, yeah, Jesus is, is the reason for Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes I think speaking here once a month isn't enough uh, that I need to go back a little often. So, now, it's, it is, it's the reason. Ni- nicely done. Now, here's my personal problem. Jeff was talking about, you know, the busyness and all the pain and stuff of Christmas. For me, if I'm really honest, and sometimes I hate to be so honest, uh, this Christmas isn't, season isn't about Jesus. It's about parties and pressure and things that you've got to do and expectations you've got to fulfill and as I've really been thinking about it, really, it's a lot about stressmas with a little bit of Jesus thrown in. That for me, Doug Fields, when, when I really begin to think about Jesus, if I'm really honest, I mean, extra attention on Jesus is the Christmas Eve service. When I kind of breathe deep and exhale and go, oh, that's right, that's what all of this craziness has been about, and my heart is focused on that. So, in thinking about this message as we continue the series, Christmas is blank. Going, what is it really that is surrounding the Christmas season that all of us get so caught up in? And I, I brought some um, cues here that Christmas is all about wishes. Okay? It's all about wishes. It's about getting our wishes fulfilled, granting our wishes. If you're a parent, you are helping fulfill other people's wishes. I realize there are some people who uh, say, oh, don't get me anything. You know, there, there's a certain age, I guess, you hit. It's older than me because I still want stuff, okay? So, but it, it's, about, it's about fulfilling other people's wishes. We even teach kids to make a wish what? List, absolutely, that this is the time, make your wish list, and you better be good, okay? This is a great letter to Santa, dear Santa, okay? How are your reindeer? If you cannot buy what I want, take it easy on yourself. Just give me tens of ones of money, okay? I love that. that, But that's part of this season that surrounds Jesus. It's all about wishes. There's, There's another part of Christmas, and I'm just going to call it wacky, okay? We've got uh, wacky. When I say wacky and Christmas, what do you think of? Family. Yes, that's what you think about. It's family. Now, in the spirit of being honest, and let's be honest, when you think of your family that you're going to be around this Christmas, by show of hands, how many of you would say, there are some wacky people in my family. Let me see. Look around. Look around. Because I want you to see those of you who didn't raise your hand. It's you. Okay? It is you. That somebody actually is thinking of you right now going, 
Oh, man, my Uncle Jim. Wow, he, he is a nutcase. Okay, now, wacky family, these are the people. This is when you go to a, a Christmas party, and this lady meets you at the door. She greets you wearing this hat, right? And then they're so weird that they actually serve you a meat nativity scene for a meal. Okay. And uh, send you home with a little present that uh, really... If, if that doesn't communicate Christmas, I don't know what does, right? So surrounding Jesus, we've got wacky and we've got, I like this word better, we've got wishy, okay? For those of you in the back, it's wishy, not whiskey, all right? <laughs> whiskey is how you deal with the wacky family, but that's a whole nother story. So here's what's interesting. Now, that's today. But if you and I were to rewind the clock 2,000 years ago to the time when God invaded humanity as Jesus, do you know that the birth of Jesus was surrounded by the exact same thing? Now, different expressions of wishy and wacky, but nonetheless, people were wishing. What were people wishing for? When Jesus was born, the, the Jewish people were under the authority of the Roman Empire. And the Jewish people faced tremendous persecution and fear. They were under Caesar's oppression and taxation. The Jews felt like they were strangers in their own land. They were wishing for a Savior. Wishing for a Savior. But not a baby. They wanted a military Savior. They wanted a Savior that would come and with, with power and, and authority and humiliate Caesar with, with their army. They were, they were wishing for a Savior. But it was an army. It was a military Savior. And wacky. Let's be honest. The whole Christmas story, if we're really honest, it's a little wacky. I mean, I know it reads as nice children's theater, once upon a time, there was a handsome Nazarene who married a beautiful virgin. What's a virgin, Daddy? <coughs> Ask your mom. Okay. You know, it, it makes for cute children's theater, but the whole story is a little crazy. That Joseph and Mary engage. They've got dreams. They've got a future. That Boom! God enters the scene. And now all of a sudden... Virgin Mary has to explain to her fiancé that she's pregnant. Can you even, have you ever even thought about how that conversation must have went? And how uncomfortable Mary's? Hey, Joseph, I, I have something important to talk to you about. I'm, I'm with child and it's God's. Okay? And then, you know, how does, how does Joseph respond to that? Oh, splendid, Mary. What a delight that we will be with child. Let's have tea and crumpets because apparently I'm from England. <laughs> when I do voices, I only have one voice. It's Monty Python, so that's what you get for all my characters is Monty Python. And, and then it doesn't get better for poor Mary. Poor Mary has now got to travel 70 miles to fill out paperwork to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And the book of Luke Mary is described as obviously pregnant. 
And now she's riding on a camel or something, five to six days, depending on weather, traffic conditions, mule speed, whatever it's going on there, okay? And obviously pregnant. Ladies, don't you love that term, obviously pregnant? As a matter of fact, I wish all women who were pregnant were obviously pregnant because two times in my life I've asked women when they were due and they weren't due, okay? I know, not just one like normal idiots. I'm a double idiot, Okay? And if you're here, again, I apologize. I am so, so sorry. I don't ask anybody. You could be 19 months pregnant with limbs sticking out, and I'm just like, hey, what's going on? I'll shake one of the limbs, but I'm not asking you, you know, if you're pregnant. Okay? So then you've got Mary, who's saddle sore from this whole deal, now has to give birth to God in the flesh in a stable. I mean, have you ever thought about Mary's pain? What her cry must have been like. Oh God, where's the good news in this? This is not how I envision my my life to go. It seems so unfair. You know, Mary's pain must have been tremendous. And I want to ask this to to make this about you for just a minute. What about surrounding this Christmas season? What about your pain? Because one of the things I know to be true about people is a lot of people are hurting somewhere. And maybe during this season, you've got some, some significant pain. I mean, maybe even as I show the picture of, of beautiful Pete and Sandy and baby Grant, for some of you, that triggers pain because you want to have a child and you want to get pregnant and you can't for whatever reason. And if that describes you, I am so, so sorry. I know and understand that that pain. For some of you in here, you're suffering deep pain because the primary relationships in your life right now are in conflict or turmoil. And the wounding related to that is deep. For some of you, you have wayward children that have not grown up the way that you raised them to grow up and around this season where you're centering your life around Jesus they're not and that brings you heartache for some of you you've lost a job that brings you so much security during this this time others you just heard of a loved one or yourself have been diagnosed with a severe disease or the loss of a loved one pain is everywhere a couple weeks ago my oldest um my oldest daughter got engaged, and we're very excited about it. And in the midst of this excitement, over the last couple weeks, I have found myself out of nowhere feeling this deep pain about the loss of my parents, who I think died prematurely, too young. And now I just am, I'm just finding like I'm so sad at times. I mean, this week I'm, I'm sitting in Taco Bell and I start crying. And not like, like moist eyes, you know, your eyes get a little moist after watching a, you know, cute commercial or something. Well, it was more like, you know, it was that type of thing. Your shoulders. And I'm in Taco Bell crying out of nowhere about my mom and my dad not being around to experience what we're experiencing. 
And then I'm like, I cannot believe I'm crying in Taco Bell. And I'm trying to, you know, and it had nothing to do with the food <laughs> this time. Uh, but in the midst of all this real life stuff, whatever your story is, the majority of us in here, we are followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, Christmas is amped up. Christmas is a, an extra celebration for us. Christmas is, is one part of the, the Super Bowl of our faith. And as we've been looking in this series, Jeff has taught us so well that Christmas is love. And Christmas is hope. And Christmas is peace. And Christmas is also joy. In the midst of our pain and sadness in the midst of wishing and wacky and stress, that Christmas screams joy. Let's take a look at this. In Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bible or it's in your notes or up on the screen, it says this, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now this is the classic Christmas narrative. I encourage you, you know, you might starting today to pull, pull this out in your, in your Bible and, and read it every day and reflect. There is so much happening in just these few verses of what's going on. First of all, the, the angel appears to the shepherds and they were terrified. I don't know how many of you are reading the Mariner's Advent devotional that has been coming every day on email. And if you haven't, you know, I know there's only a few days left, but you ought to just go back and reread them and prepare. I mean, it's unbelievable. Last week, there was one that talked about how in the scriptures, the the, one of the common themes is that when an angel appears, people were scared. And it says they were, they were terrified. I actually find perverse pleasure in this. I like to see people scared. It's just one of the things that I like about life. I know it doesn't work this way, but if I was to ask God to be an angel, I want to be a scary one. Okay? It's nice, but I still want to scare, you know, hey, scare people. And then in a very pious voice, do not be afraid. Uh, you know, I just like it. But here we've got an angel appearing to the common of common people, the shepherds. They were terrified. Then he says, I bring you good news. Good, the word good news means to announce, to declare, to show. Something big is about to be announced, and it's good. And it's only good in response to bad. What's been happening? The Jewish people are feeling like they're in need of a savior. They're, they're living under this oppression. They're living in bad news territory. And now there's good news. And the good news is for all the people. All the people. That small little word, all. Let me teach you a little Greek. Okay, this is from four years of Bible college, three years of graduate school. This is what I learned. All means everyone. Okay, it's just, it means no exceptions. That this good news of Jesus is for all. And look what it does. It triggers a result of great joy. Great joy. Now in the New Testament, the original language that was written in is, is Greek. The word great, I put there in your notes, 
is the word megas. And you don't have to be real intelligent to understand that megas means what? Mega. Giant. Yeah, absolutely. Large. Great in the wildest sense. I've actually seen this translated before that Jesus brings mega joy. So when we talk about Christmas, Christmas is Jesus and Christmas is joy. What are we celebrating this month, this week coming up? Here it is, right here. We're celebrating Jesus as joy. Now, I'm, I'm going to assume that many of you know that there is a difference between joy and happiness. But I'm, I'm not going to assume that everybody does, so you know, forgive me for those of you that know the difference. Let me just teach you what the Bible teaches about the difference between joy and happiness. That happiness is based on getting our wishes fulfilled. So if I get my wishes fulfilled, I'm happy. If I get a gift, I'm happy. If I get a present, I'm happy. If you gave me anything for free, a corn dog, I love corn dogs, I'm happy. All right? Uh, Twizzler, peel and pull. When I just open it up and smell it, I don't even have to eat it. I just, I take a hit off of that thing, the Twizzler, peel and pull, and I love, that makes me happy. When the Lakers win a game, which isn't very often this season, Okay, that makes me happen. Are you getting this? That happiness is based on a happening, a gift, a present. It's good to be happy. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being happy. I'm just saying there's a difference between what the Bible teaches about happiness and, and joy. Joy, biblical joy, is deeper and richer and more meaningful. The joy described in God's word that Jesus came to bring great joy, this type of joy cannot be purchased. It cannot be manufactured. It cannot be made up. You just can't hand somebody the letters J-O-Y and think that they're going to be happy. Okay? Like this picture right here. Okay. Now, I want you to look at this picture just for a second. Because what I want to do is I want to fast forward 20 to 60 years, depending on your age. And I want to tell you the picture that I see in Southern California, where I've lived my whole life. Is that I see people that are trying to purchase joy. And they've got their car or their house or their vacation home or their sizable 401k and there is still no joy something is missing in their life and for some of you you have actually been on a journey to fulfill this emptiness that you have and what you try to do is you try to be happy by different types of gifts or things that you buy or purchased or given to you or what a lot of people do is they actually try to change their situation. That if I can just change my situation, that's what I'm missing. I got, I got to change my marriage. I got to change my kids. I got to change my work. I got to change some. That if I change my situation, then I'm going to be happy. Well, let me just tell you, that's not how biblical joy works. And I was talking to my wife about this message, and Kathy said, Doug, I think you got to be really clear that you define biblical joy. So let me just, I'm going to read it to you right out of how I wrote it in, in my notes. 
Joy is not an emotion. Joy is more than a feeling. Here it is. It's a posture with Jesus. It's a repositioning your life around Jesus. Joy is an attitude of thankfulness that isn't dependent on your situation. That joy comes from within. See, you can't manufacture joy. You can't purchase joy. You can't create a situation and that's going to get joy based on what you did. No, joy comes from within. And some Christians are weird about this because they go to church and they read about joy and, you know, may your joy be complete in Jesus. So then I need to smile more. So people think that's what they, and they try to manufacture it. They just, hi, you've seen Christians do this. Hi, how are you? Praise the Lord. Welcome to Mariners. Glad you're here. How are you doing? Good. My dog died today, but I'm really, I, I'm, I'm swell. And, uh, and, I'm, and see, see, I'm joyful. No, you're not. Okay? You're obnoxious and weird and stop that. All right? That's, that's not joy. Okay? Joy is the result of Jesus in one's life. That Jesus came to bring great joy. Joy is birthed in the presence of Jesus. That's why. And some of you have done this. That's why you can travel to the poorest parts of the world. And I've been there several times. And you see people that have nothing. They have a terrible situation and they have no material means whatsoever. They're the poorest of poor. And yet, you look at them and they're filled with joy. Their face radiates. radiates. It, it, it emits through their eyes. And you, you have nothing. You're in a terrible situation. Why do you have so much joy? And it's because they have Jesus. Now, you don't have to go to Haiti or Africa or different places that I've been to see that. You can look right into God's Word. In the book of Acts, we see the first followers of Jesus. Okay, the very first followers of Jesus. Think about this. They no longer have Jesus around. Jesus has died on the cross. He's ascended, resurrected to heaven. They no longer have God in the flesh around. But they have been promised God in the Spirit. They've been promised the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they actually became uh, stunning. That this, this inner joy began to leak out, and other people noticed. Take a look. In Acts chapter 6, it says, oh, this, we're talking about Stephen. Okay, Stephen, just to give you a little aside here. Stephen, if you read in Acts chapter 7, Stephen gets stoned to death. Okay, stoned with, with rocks, not with weed, all right? And, and he, he's done. Now, this is before... Before he's about to die, he's in the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is just a fancy word for court system. Legal, okay? So reading Acts chapter 6, verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, the courtroom, looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That there was something radiating out of his, his countenance. Now, we're going to see, watch what happens there in Acts chapter 7. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
Right? That word asleep actually means dead. Okay? It wasn't like, oh, these stones are making me so tired. Okay? It's, he's being killed. Now, what kind of person does this? What kind of person on his very last breath with enemies throwing rocks at him cries out and says, God, don't hold it against them. Okay? Was it just a happy dude? Was Stephen just happy and he woke up that morning? zippity doo da, zippity day Oh my, my, what a wonderful day to die. No. He wasn't just having a happy day. That Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what you need to understand about joy, joy isn't based on a circumstance or situation. It's not based on gifts or presents. That you can be in the midst of pain and actually experience joy. Take a look in Acts chapter 5. The apostles, these are the first followers of Jesus. They were also arrested for preaching about Jesus. They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The name means Jesus, capital N, referring to Jesus. That pain and suffering don't snuff out joy. Why? Because Jesus brings joy and Jesus never leaves us. And Jeff talked about hope. is Emmanuel. God is with us. That's Christmas. Jesus brings joy, and joy never leaves us. Joy is in, internal. I bring you great joy. I bring you mega joy. I bring you Jesus. That's Christmas. Flip your notes over. I wrote there in your notes that Christmas is hope. Hope is in a person. But Christmas is joy. Joy is the result of his present. Okay? And the presence of the Holy Spirit is what produces joy within. And what I want you to see here this Christmas, there is a connection between God's Spirit and joy. Now, some of you may be saying, well, how do I get God's Spirit? Well, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be Christian, Christ's one. That I have put my faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a payment for my sins. So that if I put my faith in him and believe that he died in my place, I can be reconciled to God and have a relationship with God that is manifested through the power of God's spirit. Okay, It's the promise of his presence. Do I fully understand it? No. Do I fully embrace it? For me, absolutely. So that God says, Doug, because of your belief, because of your faith, I'm going to gift you with my presence. So when I walk on stage, I don't walk by, on stage by myself. I walk on stage with the presence of the Holy Spirit. For those of you that have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you sit there with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at this in Acts chapter 13. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this connection. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in my life? The role of the Holy Spirit in my life and your life is to do what I can't do myself. It's to change me from the inside out, to transform me, to conform me into the image of Jesus. Some of you have heard the word sanctify before, that he is changing me, transforming me, maturing me. That's the presence of what the job of the Holy Spirit is to do. Now watch this. And there is an expectation that that inner work of the Holy Spirit would result in 
joy. Okay? That would be the fruit of God's Spirit. Some of you have heard of the fruit of God's Spirit. If you haven't, just circle Galatians 5 in your notes there. Read it later. Because it says, here's what somebody looks like when they're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Here's what somebody looks like when they are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when they are controlled by the Holy Spirit, joy is the result. Galatians chapter 5. But the Holy Spirit, it's not you that produces it with a fake smile. It's the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. So I tell you this all the time. The Holy Spirit does the impossible, then me, you, us, we have to do the possible. So as the Holy Spirit does the impossible, you and I work alongside, we do the, Im, we do the possible, and joy begins to emerge. That all of a sudden, when I recognize the work of the Holy Spirit and He's changing me from the inside out, joy begins to emerge. I feel joyful more often. I recognize Jesus more often. I express it through thankfulness. We walk through life with a swagger, not an arrogance, but a confidence. A confidence that we have God's presence. And then I have Jesus, like those friends in Africa and Haiti. I have the spirit of Jesus in my life, and that's enough. And that's what I mean by, by, by the swagger. So God does the impossible. You and I do the possible. So what is the possible? How can you and I experience more joy this Christmas? How do we respond to this? Well, if you look in your notes, I've just given you what I call three I can statements. And I want to encourage you to maybe put a little star by one of them as I explain them to you that this is going to be your response this Christmas. How you want to increase your joy in your life? Well, embrace one of these, respond to one of these. The first one is this, that I can recognize God as joyful. For some of you here, this one is all you need. You just need to stop here, embrace that, think about it, um, talk about it, converse about it, because your view of God is twisted. And I talk to people who have twisted views of God all the time. You, you have this view of God, I don't know where it came from, but not from the scriptures. But this view of God is God is looking at you with a frown. That he's always waiting to bust you and catch you doing something wrong. That your view of God is very similar to Miss Finkmeyer, my fourth grade teacher. Miss Finkmeyer, my fourth grade teacher, she, she was brutal. Okay, I wish I was making up that name. I'm not making up that name. Is that I remember we would sit in an assembly, and if you did anything, any movement at all, she would march down the aisle, make eye contact with you, point at you, and And she would just mouth it, that's one. And then you'd get a check, an air check. That's two. And you knew, you knew you didn't want to get to three. And I mean, you just sit there, your nose would itch, but you didn't want to even itch your nose because... And we laugh at that, but for some of you, that's your view of God. That he has a frown. That you're always letting him down. That you're a total blow it. What if? What if God, instead of a watchful frown, he had a, a warm smile? A smile on his face when he thinks just about you. Listen to how the prophet Zephaniah describes God. I love this description. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with 
gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. What if when you wake up in the morning, instead of you thinking about how disappointed God is going to be in you today, that you just know that he sings over you with joyful songs. In the Living Bible, to paraphrase, but it says something like this. It says, is that a choir I hear? Oh, no, it's not. It's God singing over you. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Although if God sang it, it would sound good. But, you know, some of you, you got to know that he, you got to recognize him as joyful. How do I know God is joyful? One, the scriptures tell me. Two, we see it in Jesus, that Jesus was filled with joy. And in uh, Colossians chapter 1, it says this, that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. So you want to know the heart of God? You want to know the character of God? You want to know the depth of love of God? You look at Jesus. For some of you that are kind of unsure about this whole Jesus thing, just study the life of Jesus. Just read about Jesus. Nobody with any degree of intelligence denies that Jesus existed. What they might deny is that Jesus was who he said he was, God in the flesh. But, but read about Jesus. Investigate Jesus. You see that Jesus was filled with joy. That says God is filled with joy. The second I can statement is I can acknowledge God's presence. I can acknowledge. You want more joy in your life? I think for some people, and I talk to people like this, it seems like every day, they, they view God as out there. That he's just this distant deity that kind of got the whole world spinning and then took off. Now, he's available to pray. If you want to pray to him, but it's like, hey, 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 hey. You know, trying to bring him in, or they, they treat their Bible almost like, you know, yeah, I, I want more of God, so I, you know, it's like uh, if I read it, it's a Ouija board, and maybe he'll come and pay attention. As opposed to what the Bible actually teaches, that he's present, okay, that he's, that he's present. Christmas is Jesus. I'm here, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm here, and not only am I here, I'm in you. Take a look what it says in Psalm 16. This is King David. King David describing God's presence. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I'll rejoice. My body rests in safety. I love that. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you Forever. I know that's a lot of words. Some of you need to revisit this, but it's awesome because it begins with the Lord is always with me. He's beside me. And it ends with the joy of his presence. For some of you, you want more joy in your life. You just got to recognize that God is not distant, that he's here. Okay? He has the promise of his presence. And that triggers joy. The third I can is I can trust his directions. As I begin to look at people and I go, okay, what do joyful people have in common? Well, obviously they have, based on what the scriptures teach, they have the presence of Jesus in their life. That's one of the things that they have in common. But a lot of people have that and don't have joy. What makes joyful people? What do they have in common? You know what they have in common? They trust Jesus enough to follow his way. Okay. That they actually, think about this, they actually choose joy when they choose his directions. In Romans 15, may 
the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, what? Trust. May be filled with joy as you trust. There's the connection there. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here it is. God develops joy within as we trust. You know, one of the things I love about going to church here, is there are so many opportunities for me and for you to put our faith in Jesus, to trust. And here's, let me just, this is a little bit of an aside. It's not Jeff saying it, it's Doug saying it, okay? But here's a little pastoral coaching moment for a second. You want to learn to be more faithful? Watch and see what God is blessing or seems to be blessing and then get in it. Seriously, you want to see what you see, God seems to be blessing something, then get in it, get, get aligned with it, follow that, be a part of that. So I sat here for two years, not going to Rooted, okay? I heard about Rooted, I, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager, I don't need Rooted, but I keep going, you know what, you announce Rooted, people cheer. God is blessing Rooted all throughout Mariners, all the five campuses, so then I jump into Rooted, and guess what? I go, oh, I see now. I see all of a sudden why people's apathy is being destroyed, why people are coming alive in Christ. Well, all of a sudden now they're, they're walking different. They're understanding different things. God is blessing that in this environment. Get connected to that. Giving is another. We talk about giving every week. Okay? Those of you who have never given before, I'm not just talking about your fire. I'm talking about your life serving. Just be a part of giving. If you are not a generous person, God is blessing that in this culture at Mariners. People who give with their time, with their finances, with their heart, God is blessing that. I was talking to a guy two weeks ago. There was the rooted celebration. The guy just got baptized, and I was saying, I just asked him a simple question. Tell me your story. And he said, well, my life used to suck. Those are his words, not mine, Okay. He says, my life sucked. And he points to a buddy. He invited me to church here about six months ago. I started listening. I started learning about Jesus. I wanted what Jesus has to offer. I came. I listened. I learned. I put my faith in Jesus. I got baptized. My wife got baptized. My kids love coming here now. He goes, my life is totally different. And as he's talking, you know what I could sense? Joy. I could sense it. I could sense joy. I could see it in his eyes. And then I said, which buddy? And he points to the guy and I go, hey, come here, come here, come here. The guy comes over here. And then I just grab him by the shoulders, just because I'm a little weird like that. I'm like, do you understand what you did to this guy? Yeah, do you understand? He's like, no, no. I go, well, you you didn't change his life, okay? His life sucked. You've known him since junior high, so you didn't change his life. It sucked with you and without you. But you know what you did? You are courageous enough to invite him. And by sitting there, God's spirit reached into his heart, changed him. His wife has changed. His kids are going to be changed. Dream with me for a second. The whole course of this guy's life just took a 180. And he's going to be a different husband. He's going to be a different dad. He's going to live different because of what Jesus did in his life. But you invited him. You know what? God, that's, that's an act of faith. This is a season right now in the next few days to invite people. People want to be invited everywhere. Now, they may choose to say no to you, but people will go to church on Christmas and Easter. 
Don't let open seats go by. Don't let your pride get in the way of like, what if they reject me? It's not your responsibility. You're stepping out in faith. You want more joy in your life? Begin to step in those directions where God is, is blessing. All right, let's wrap this, this whole thing up. Here's, here's, if you forget everything I said, here's what I want you to hear. Joy is not something that happens to you. Joy is not something that happens to you. Joy is something that happens within you. And the who within you, Jesus resides, dwells, and lives within. The joy is possible because of Jesus. Would you grab onto one of these three I can statements and respond to his love for you today? Let's pray together. God, thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you're not distant. Thank you that you know everything about us and that you love us. Thank you that you offer and promise joy. I pray that we would be different people as we walk out of here today. That we would, we would leave with the knowledge that you're crazy about us. And that we can live different lives because of what you have done on the cross. We pray in the name of Jesus.